everyone today. Today is a little different spin on the Jackson Lucas Impact Real Estate Podcast. Today, I am your host, Farah Jackson Rowe, and I am putting your normal host, Chris Pappas, in the hot seat. So after many seasons, today we get the opportunity to get to know Chris, instead of Chris getting to know the rest of us in the industry. So Chris, welcome to your own show today. It's great to be here. I love being on this side of the the, the, the table. Less pressure. Awesome. <laughs> That's what you think. It's early. Let's see. <laughs> so, Chris, what made you start this podcast? Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'd been recruiting. I started recruiting in 2004. And a big part of recruiting is hearing about people's story to where and how they got to where they are in their careers and like where they want to take their next steps. And I had recalled coming out of school and like having no, you know, having a thousand ideas of what I possibly might want to do for my career and feeling a lot of pressure. And it's really hard, like coming out of college, they don't have any courses where they're like, here, here's like a bunch of different jobs and like, an overview of what everything does. You know what I mean? It's like, you better pick your major by whatever junior year. And it's like, how do I didn't even, how do you supposed to do that? Like you don't even know what the jobs are. Right. Um, and so, I mean, my dad was an engineer. My mom was a school nurse. I'm like, okay, like kind of what else is there? And as a recruiter, I got to see, I had an interest in real estate. So I got, within real estate, I got to see a gazillion different jobs and investment strategies as a recruiter um, and job functions and, you know, see an overview of what the market was and see, oh, oh my goodness, there's a, there's so many different opportunities out there. Um, and if I had known, I think if a lot of people had known, I, my thought was like, hey, if I had known this when I was in college, I could have made a better informed decision as to what I wanted to do with my career. Um, now luckily I ended up in a career I really like and I happen to be good at. And so I was thinking like, maybe I could share, you know, get basically my day to day job of hearing all these stories of how people got to where they are and share that with the world and people might be interested in it. And it would also give people, you know, earlier in their career, an idea of different, job functions within real estate. Um, you know, that's, that's a great idea. And it, it really makes me think maybe we should stop asking kids what they want to be when they grow up and instead start telling them about the jobs that are out there, the, the opportunities. You know, they see firefighters and teachers and right. they see this small subset and you get to college. You said it, you know, you think you know what you want it to be because you picked it when you were eight or nine. You right. don't really have <laughs> as many opportunities to see what real life and real adulting is like. So I think what you do is so cool and, and really helpful to so many people. Thank you. I appreciate it. And also, I mean, it's, selfishly, it's great marketing for me, too. Um, but it, I truly enjoy doing it. And I, I learn a lot. I mean, if I'm starting to learn about a different sector within real estate, I can just have a bunch of people on the podcast and talk to them and learn all about it. Yeah. And, and it shares it with the rest of us. Thanks. So. What advice do you have for college students looking to enter real estate, looking to get into any of the fields that you've talked to so many candidates about? 
One is network. I think that's a big one. Um, it's still who you know, even if you know we have the internet and all that jazz. So go. I mean, I would go to a lot of conferences, read all the different rat, you know real estate publications out there. There's a gazillion of them. Um, there's a gazillion networking events. I'd also read about like I mean, one of the things that really helped me with real estate, even though I'm not a big like I invest with other folks, but like learn about read books about real estate investing because buying a, you know, a, a duplex for an investment opportunity, learning how that process works is similar to learning about, you know, it's, it's just on a small scale of what these big investment firms do. There's, I mean, real estate's not brain surgery. And so that allowed, that gave me a pretty good overview of what the different aspects of a real estate deal are and how it works. Um, and then just figure out a way to get in. I, I mean, any way to get in. I mean, I, I, a lot of, everyone wants to do like acquisitions or something like sexy, but even if you get like a property management role, like we interviewed somebody yesterday who's a head of development for a firm and she started out in, in like property operations and it gives her a leg up compared to her competitors because she understands you know how properties run and then so it, it allows her to be a better investor yeah. um so get in the club any way you can i actually started in closing and i tell people all the time because i've done closing asset management servicing underwriting and now on the production side it gives you a 360 view of the whole deal and you know having added that development experience you have a different perspective than all your peers will have and it makes you just like anything in life it makes you more well-rounded so I think that's excellent advice. Yeah, this this woman started in like sales. She was it's a hospitality world and she was like in like sales transaction coordinator or something like that. Like no idea. Like and like now she's a big shot, right? And so yeah. it's just kind of getting in anywhere and not you know, being humble enough to be, hey, like, you know, you wanna be it takes a lot of steps to get to where you, you're gonna go and for me, like I always was thinking 10 steps ahead. So I always like kind of ignored these, these type of roles. So I'm like, well, how is this going to get me to where I want to go? But you never know. It's like, anyway, so I would just be open to any kind of opportunity within the industry just to learn. Yep. All experience is good experience. So what's the most challenging aspect of your job? It's putting two moving targets together. So we get hired by organizations, um, they pay us good money to find them, to help them structure their jobs and what they need, um, give them compensation information, give them uh, research, but it's people, right? So if I'm selling a house, the house is not a person, the house is just what it is, right? I mean, interest rates may fluctuate, the price of the house may fluctuate, but it's not too, bad the house is the house is the house and then there's the buyer who is that you know they have emotional emotions right but only one side of the equation has emotions with recruiting both sides of the equation have emotions and um backstories and motivations that they may not even know about i mean human, human beings are super complex people uh are super complex and so I have to understand one, the real estate part of it. What is this job? How does this job work within the organization? Who is the organization, their culture? Um, but then I have to understand the hiring manager too. Like what is, 
he or she really looking for. Um, and then I have to go out and talk to the candidates side of it and understand their motivations, um, their timing, you know, and it's just two human beings that have don't necessarily understand their own selves that well. And so when they get to the finish line, they could just pull back for no apparent reason. Um, so, our, you know, our job is to help mitigate that risk of mm-hmm. getting to the finish line and that happening, but it still happens because it's, it's just two, two sides of the equation that I really don't have any control over. Right. Yeah. So you're, you're basically a matchmaker for jobs and uh, yeah. it, it just like any other relationship that can be complicated, challenging, I'm sure fun, but yeah, that's, that's really unique. I never thought about that aspect of it. It, it. You know, from the outside, do you think about it as you're placing a job and you don't think about the, the people involved? That's really interesting. Yeah, because even the job side of it, like someone's hiring and they're 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 always changing too. what they need, what they want. I mean, that's an ever changing thing. Um, anyhow, well, thinking about the people part of it makes me think about all the guests you've had on your show over the years, and you have had some really interesting stories told. Um, Not, not, you know, keeping me in the running, because of course I was your your favorite guest of all time. You (laughs) are. But taking taking me out of the pot, what was your most interesting interview? You don't have to name drop, just, you know, was it something about it, or was it the person? What was was the most interesting interview you remember? Um... There's a few of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like when people kind of come from very unusual places. Uh, there was one person we interviewed back in the day who was born in Africa. He had uh, he told a story about walking to he was a refugee to another country with his mom, and they had like a gallon of milk or something like to get them there um, when he was a baby. And then he he went to Paris and lives in Paris. And just that kind of story is like, I mean, everyone has a crazy, like you would meet the guy. I mean, I met the guy. He's obviously a super nice guy and smart and all that jazz, but like everyone has a story. Um, he has an amazing story. I met another uh, person who runs a successful development company who served in Iraq and Iran and a number of tours of duty there and saw a lot of horrible action. Um, and just, you know, these are successful, you know, quote unquote successful people. Um, and they just, everyone's got a story, even the most kind of bland person that you see out there has a, a crazy story interview. I mean, it's, it started for me. Like I interviewed, I remember when I was younger, I used to, I interviewed my grandma I, and then like I taped recorded cause I was always interested in people's stories and she, I mean, she's with my grandma. Right. But you, you actually interview, I interviewed her and just like, holy smokes, the life that she lived, mm-hmm. you know, and the stuff that she went through. It's insane. So uh, everyone has a story, awesome. and uh, those were the two that so, stood out to me. Stories. What about your story? What else do you do besides this fabulous podcast? With personal time, you know, mountain biking. What do you do? What makes well, you my take? biggest time is spent with my son. He's twelve years old. Um, so we do a lot of stuff together: movies, travel. Um, we have our TV shows that we watch. Um, so I'm, in, I'm into stuff he's into, which is great. Uh, mm-hmm. Personally, I, I'm big uh, 
and exercise. So I go to the gym a lot. I go for runs. Swimming laps uh, is fun for me. I, I play guitar and bass guitar. Actually, tonight I'm going to play some music with some friends, um, which is fun. Uh, I like to do. I like to travel and explore places. So this past weekend, my I met my buddy. We're at, at Joshua Tree uh, in Palm Springs, and then next week my son and I are going to San Diego to go to the beach and surf and, and boogie board and stuff like that. Um, I like that. I'm also very much involved with certain charities, um, which I enjoy. Uh, one's Project Night Night, which is my favorite charity, which is, is in the Bay Area, and they give clothes and toys to children living in homeless shelters. Um, so those are the things. I mean, I read and I, uh, yeah. I mean, those are go to the movies and all that type of stuff too. But um, those are yeah, those are the things that like my my hobbies outside of work. The important things, the reasons we work. Yes, yeah, that's awesome. So how did you choose the name for the podcast? What made you think of Impact Real Estate Podcast? Well, when I first started the podcast, the previous one was a TBG Impact Real Estate Podcast. And that had, mm -hmm. we had like, I started way back and I just, I didn't know if I was, anyways, it was just, I think it was just called the TBG Real Estate Podcast. And then I started focusing more on folks who are like in the affordable housing world or community development or something, something about impact, quote unquote, impact investing. Um, that was my, that's what I, I mean, I love that. I love people who are doing that, living that life. So, uh, I wanted it to focus on that, but I mean, I just don't focus. Then I realized, Hey, every type of real estate has impact in the world. Um, and so, you know, the last question in the hot seat is like, how does your real estate have impact on the world? And, I like to hear their answers. It's it's very interesting. I mean, the person yet we interviewed yesterday was a, a hospitality brand, um, and you know hotels have an impact on the world. It's not just affordable housing, right? Um, That's true. And so, I like to see my job bigger than just making transactions, um, of like you know transacting folks. I like to see myself with you know a higher purpose than just hey here's a, i'm placing people to make money yeah okay that makes sense so the pandemic shook up the world and it became the beginning of the great resignation right how has that impacted things for you Oh, it's been hard. I mean, it's well, not been hard. It's been, I mean, we've had the most successful years we've ever had. I mean, it's been the hottest job market in the, in the history of the world. I think, um, the last couple of years it's been on fire and it's been great for us. Um, the great resignation I think is more so on the junior side of the world. I always find. So we're, we're actually hosting a, a dinner, the speaker and HR executives in New York city in January, or excuse me, September, um, with that f exact focus, like how do we attract and retain younger talent? Um, because a lot of these younger talent, one, they don't, they've never worked in an office before because they've got out of college and they've just been working remotely. Uh, and you know, Silicon Valley moving out here 10, 11 years ago, it's pretty usual and acceptable for people to move jobs every year, which is not the real estate world. Um, and I think that is becoming more usual for the real estate world where people can just jump and jump and jump and it's not so frowned upon. Um, and I think 
with a hot job market, the the workers, the candidates have a lot more of the power, right? Because they can just, hey, I'm going to leave and make a ton more money um, somewhere else. But that's, I mean, there's going to be, a, you know, there's always a correction. It's back and forth. It's always been, I've, I've been through this for 20 years. And so pretty soon the employers will have the power and, you know, they'll be with the ones to call on the shots. And then I'll go back to the, you know, the employees will have the, the power and blah, blah, blah. So right now the employees have the power. And I think I just spoke to a guy earlier today, but like, you know, people don't often have a time to pick up their head and look around and take a breath. Right. And I think the pandemic for like maybe a month or two, we were kind of quiet. Right. And, uh, it allowed a lot of people to look up and say, Hey, what do I want to do with my life? Like, what's, what, why am I doing this? What's the purpose of this? And there's not many opportunities within someone's working life to do that. Yeah. I have more friends than ever that started businesses and, you know, retired early or whatever. And, it didn't occur to me at that point what that would do to our job market. But seeing it now, it's great that we have more businesses, more small businesses. Um, and it is opening the doors for more opportunities for these young people. Um, I'm actually grateful to see them shaking up the world. You know, maybe they'll get us to a point where it's a four day work week. So go young people, keep changing the world. <laughs> I know. I mean, Fridays, <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially working remotely, Fridays are kind of like, I mean, you kind of, everyone's kind of, it's like their administrative day where they're just cleaning up stuff and correct so let's just close the office and you know make that weekend three days let's just go ahead and let's do, do it, it. And i support all the young people pushing for that why not that's right? one rally i'll attend it probably could work i hope so so is there anything different from your vantage point in post pandemic life anything you're seeing differently from the podcast that you're hosting or the interviews that you're having I mean, the remote factor is totally different. That's, I mean, that's the most obvious. I, I, I even forget like that. It's, we at one point had to be in the office five days a week. Yeah. Um, now it's, it just seems, yeah, it's just, um, that's the biggest one. I think there is uh, just a lot more flexibility these days. And I, I know that clients of ours that are still asking we still have clients that are asking for people to be in the office five days a week and it's just not something people were willing to do um and i haven't thankfully had to ever had like i've never had like a many many years i haven't had a bad commute but i was taking my son over to a, a camp i live in by palo alto and the camp was in oakland so it's like an hour drive so i was driving up there and hanging out there all day and then driving back at night with him and I was like, man, I am exhausted. Like, I am miserable. I haven't done that. I used to commute, you know, an hour a day uh, mm -hmm. for years. And it just, how much of the day it just sucks away. I mean, I was just spending so much of the time, you know, in the car and traffic. It's frustrating. It's annoying. And uh, now I'm just able to wake up and, you know, I've actually been working a lot of my life in the last 10 years remotely because I moved, you know, our headquarters is in New York and I moved out to the Bay Area. Uh, but I've had offices here too. But just being able to wake up and you know do my thing in the morning and uh, get my son ready for school or whatever, and then hop on the computer, you know, before that and after that, and then walk down to the cafe and work from the cafe for a couple hours and come back home, like it's just it's great. I can go to my 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 gym. They have kind of office space there, and I think a lot of different. Uh, the person I spoke to yesterday in the hospitality world is like. 
you know, work from home at WFH, it could be, is also like now work from hotels. Like people can travel and work or, you know, a lot of these kind of working stations are being thought of now in new real estate. Like hotels are thinking about, Hey, maybe we need to put some workstations in so people can just work here. Well, um, and I think, uh, like you said, in real estate, in multifamily apartments, I know a lot of them are thinking about it. Study nooks for the kids, because if the kids all have to work from home, you need more space than they normally have in their bedroom and right at the kitchen table. So it's definitely causing people to kind of shift their thinking, because I think that the world will be forever changed by the, the pandemic. Yeah. And so I like it. I mean, uh, I'm happy about it. I, I I think it's 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 harder for I mean I think junior folks it's okay I think there needs to be some sort of balance um, within a company so I think the three days a week in the office is great Tuesday Wednesday Thursday having the junior people come in because they're not going to be able to learn just at home yeah. I, at least in my industry um, and just being flexible though some of it like it's just a little more flexibility. Um, but that balance and also the like company culture is important. And if everyone worked remotely, you know, 15 years out from now, there will be no company culture. So there has to be, that's has to be maintained. And I think having, you know, some people in the office three days a week, maybe doing like a, a, a yearly or by, you know, semi-annually like kind of retreat where everyone gets together is a super important. We had a retreat out in the Hamptons for my company, uh, a couple, like a month ago. And we don't see each other that much. And so it was just great to like connect with everybody. And like, we talk to each other every day, all day, but we don't actually get to hang out with each other. And it was just really nice to do that. And uh, that creates company culture, which is super important. I don't, you know, I could do this job and you could do your job wherever you want, right? With with whatever company you want, right? Um, but the culture is the most important thing. I definitely miss being in the office. I, I love it when I'm in one of our offices getting to have that team camaraderie. Um, I also feel like I'm learning more, you know, things that people talk about that you wouldn't overhear when you're working from home, but you overhear when you happen to be in an office, you know, that water cooler conversation isn't always bad stuff. It can be deal stuff. It can be learning opportunities. Um, and it's and fun. You really... I mean, I've been with that, with my company, like I said, for a long time. I mean, some of these people I've known for 20 years and it's, yep. they're like my family. I mean, they're like some of my closest personal friends too. Yep. I definitely miss seeing those type of people. So I know you have an interest in affordable housing. Right. Um, it's something we've talked about many times. What spurred that interest? What got you thinking about affordable housing? A lot of people don't know it about it or understand it. Uh, I think it was, I mean, it's empathy. Um, bigger picture, bigger bottom line than just making money. Um, I got into it accidentally many years ago. Um, didn't really know what it was. Um, I've had some good mentors in the world, like Richard Deutsch. He's he was the CEO of CNC Management, which was the management company for LM Development Partners, and now he's the head of asset management for this group, Hudson Valley Property Group. Uh, he ran management company for Richmond companies. Um, he referred over, so he's been a, like a mentor of mine, a good friend of mine for years now. Um, and then I realized, wow, like it's, I just didn't realize the situation of like the housing world, you know, like the more, the older I get and the more I'm in real estate and especially the Bay area where housing is such an issue. Um, and it's so hard to build anything. It's, there's a lot of homeless people here. Um, 
And so just seeing what having stable housing and support services does to a family and like a, a kid specifically is so important. Um, I understand, you know, not having that for a child is just so detrimental. It, it can, it affects them the rest of their life. So having good, safe place to, to live with services provided uh, just changes lives. And it's not, it doesn't seem that difficult to do. Um, it just seems pretty obvious, but I just didn't understand the extent of it. And just having you know empathy and just having, you know, just growing up in a place where, I mean, I didn't have a lot of these support services. Uh, we didn't have a ton of money. Um, but then seeing people who are much, you know, less off than I was, um, and that the government and real estate developers can provide a solution for that. Yeah, I think a lot of people are starting to understand what the affordable housing crisis really means. I think a lot of people historically thought about it as, you know, free rent to people, and that's all they they understood it to be well beyond having affordable rent, rent that still allows a family to pay their you know, health insurance, afford their car note, you know, pay for the car insurance, food, you know, all the other extras that a family needs. And that's, you know, even before they get to do things like send their kids off to great camps or, you know, take vacations. Um, if you don't have affordable housing as the base, right. you're building on a weak foundation. And I know the guests that you have on are people that are attacking this crisis head on every day. And so it's really exciting to hear about them, you know, hearing about your mentor. I know those firms. I know what they're actively doing each and every day to help attack this issue that, you know, we see across the country. It's very exciting. Yeah, so I, I definitely encourage your young listeners to learn more about affordable housing because I think they're going to help to change that future as well. Yeah, another mentor of mine was like Paul Odlin, was the founder of Belveron Partners. He He's been on the podcast. Uh, I, when I moved to the Bay Area, I used to office with them. Uh, he's a personal friend of mine. And so I've, I've seen his company grow and what they do. Uh, I did a search for a head of social services uh, role and I, re I didn't really understand the services component of it until I started doing that search and seeing how it all works together and how important it is. It's not just about putting the housing there, but um, having the services to, you know, being an owner of affordable housing, I find, or a manager of it is much different than market rate because market rate, you just put the housing there and that's kind of, that's kind of it. But with, you know, the most effective affordable housing uh, is tailored towards different demographics and having the services there for that, those demographics um, makes it a so successful your, your affordable listeners, housing developer. Yep. So that your listeners understand those services normally include things like after school care, um, you know, meals and snacks for the kids after school. Um, it's not services, I think, that a lot of people assume are, you know, medical. Um, though no. it can it can assist in connecting those things. It normally isn't. And so, you know, a lot of people would think about it and say, oh, that's great. I wish, you know, my apartment community offered that type of assistance. Um, not understanding. Sometimes it's even there and they're not even asking for it. And it's also like so. financial literacy. Yeah. Um, just things that some people take for granted, you know, if you don't have those things, it's uh, having those things. It's make, it makes for a healthier population. Yeah. So it's not just about this one specific. I mean, overall, it just makes for a better country and world when everyone, you know what I mean? It's it's not just, and if it's thinking just strictly financially, 
if that's all the bottom line, like you have these people learning these things, it's less tax dollars out of your pocket going towards these services. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's continuing right. the cycle of poverty. So that's right. So Chris, what's next for the podcast? What do you see for the next few years? More great interviews with great people. Anything strategically planned? Uh, yeah, we're trying. I mean, I'm having some co-hosts now, trying to get them on up, up and running. So um, everyone's going to get bored of just me asking questions. So I want some. I have some great co-hosts. Victoria Whitaker. Uh, she she's amazing. She worked in. Uh, she ran programs for like Teach for America on the West Coast. Uh, then she worked at an affordable housing developer, created a social services, their social services platform. Um, then she worked for a nonprofit investing in affordable housing or, or lending in affordable housing. Now she, she works with us. So she's extremely bright and has a different you know perspective on things than I do. Uh, Mike Sonin, who I've worked with for 10 years, he, he, he's a younger guy, a um, lot more energy than I do. So he has a different perspective on things. I'm trying to get, uh, we just hired this guy, Mark Torrey, who ran Select Leaders, that job board. Um, He's got a ton of, of connections and he, you know, he lives up in Portland now. So I want him to start hosting. So I'm just trying to get some different hosts on there, different perspectives. Um, I am particularly interested still in the affordability component, affordable housing. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm getting more interested in hospitality right now. I think that's interesting, something we've never really covered on the podcast. So I've been trying to target a lot of hospitality guests, kind of see where that world's heading um because mm-hmm. the, the pandemic really affected it and um yeah i mean we're trying to hit um I mean, maybe we'll start doing video too i kind of like not having the pressure of having to you know look a certain way on, on the video but uh <laughs> maybe we'll start doing yeah doing like video and having you i don't know i don't know how they do the video part of it but i think that's a next step too awesome Well, I am definitely excited to see where it goes and continue to follow along on the journey. So anytime I interview people who are coming to work for me, I ask a question. (laughs) You're prepared. (laughs) So Chris, tell me a joke. All right. This is my go-to joke. I didn't expect this, but now that I remember, I mean, I've used this since you've told me that you do this, I've been using it. Um, And so it's a great question. It gets put people on the spot for sure. Um, so I, mine is, it's a Monty Python joke. It's, it's from like the greatest joke ever told. I believe it's a skit and it's uh two peanuts walk down the street. One's assaulted. <laughs> That's always my go-to. That's a good go-to. It's a Simple. Good go-to. It's clean. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely a corny dad joke. It is perfect. That's right. Thank you. Well, Chris, that was all I had. I really appreciate you allowing me to be a guest host on your show today. Thank you. It's fine.